Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast show number 34. It was just a side project that I really loved, but I was committed to it and I grew a following with it. You know, had no business background, but just a passion for thinking that one day I really wanted to have a business. Welcome to a real world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. How's it going, everybody? I am Jay Scott. I am your co-host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast here again this week with my lovely and not wearing pink for the first time co-host, <laughs> Mrs. Carol Scott. Why no pink this week? I don't know what it was. I mean, I just went out on a limb and wore my super fab Bigger Pockets t-shirt instead. I'll explain the pink story another day, but anyway, I just decided to get all kinds of crazy. But baby, I got to tell you, no matter what I'm wearing, I am so grateful that you and I get to work together each day and completely rock it and have so much fun. And I'm also excited to talk with our guest today because it's another wife-husband team who have done amazing things together. And I can't wait till, uh, for our listeners to hear all about them. Absolutely. Yeah. Our guests today are, like Carol said, a wife and husband team, Jamie and Brian Ratner. They are co-founders of a company called Certificate and really, really cool company. But basically, they're going to talk to us about how Jamie came up with this idea for Certificate 10 years ago. And basically, she had zero business experience. She had never started a business before. She hadn't been an entrepreneur before. And over the past 10 years, she has grown Certificate with the help of her husband and a whole lot of other people from nothing into a $40 million company earlier in 2019. They got on Shark Tank, and I will not spoil it. I will let them talk about how that went. But I will say, listen to the end where we talk with Brian about how he went head-to-head with Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank, and it became one of the great negotiating sessions in the history of Shark Tank. It was really cool. And speaking of that... If you want to find out more about this episode, including a link to that video where Brian negotiates with Mr. Wonderful, you can check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash bizshow34. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash bizshow34. Okay, without any further ado, let's bring in our guest this week, Jamie and Brian Ratner from Certificate. So let's welcome Jamie and Brian to the show. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for coming on board with us today. We are so excited to dig into your journey, and we've been following you for quite some time, and we know you've had some recent really big successes and some really big milestones, and we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about your journey along the way and dig back into your backstory. But first, to set the stage for all of our listeners, Jamie and Brian, can you tell us what certificate is now, and can you please also share some relevant metrics about your business? Go ahead. As usual, Jamie will go first with the story and then I'll come in with the metrics. Perfect strategy. That works. So Certificate is a decade old. It's 10 years old. Um, it is a website that offers everything a family wants and needs at a discount. So we think of ourselves as a resource, but we also have great deals. And the story is that I was a big follower of Groupon when it first started but I was a new mom. I had two kids under the age of two, and I thought there the Groupon had some great deals for restaurants and spas, but I really wasn't going to restaurants and spas with my babies. So I was telling Brian on a car ride, we were going for Christmas to Pittsburgh, and I mentioned about this new site I loved, but that it just didn't really work for me as a new mom. So what would be great would be if it had offers specifically geared to what families want to need. And the rest is history. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I think it's fair to say that Jamie has always been a, a someone that has had an entrepreneurial spirit. So she always has business ideas. And I let's just say that the, a lot of ideas would go in one ear and out the other for me. Or I'd be like, oh, that's not so great. Or, oh, or sometimes I just smile. Mm. <laughs> you know, but for some reason, this idea like connected. Maybe it was because we were trying to be distracted from our kids in the backseat or something. But I really kind of just, and I didn't really know anything about Groupon at that point. I was totally clueless. But that really connected with with me. And I I just kind of was asking lots of questions and immediately thought that that was an amazing idea. And by the end of that car ride, we had our initial business plan. We're off of the races. We had the name of the company uh, and spent the whole weekend instead of relaxing and, and hanging out and taking a breath, basically putting together the pieces that would ultimately become certificate. That's Very awesome. Cool. So for those in our listening audience, I'm sure most of, of them know certificate and or Groupon. But for those that don't, basically, it, it's kind of a deal site. Every day you mail out uh, deals that you provide from various vendors, either locally or nationally, to your mailing list. And they can get great deals on specific products or services. And Groupon just wasn't providing the the family related or the family niche services and products. And so you saw kind of an opening there. You saw a, a niche there that you could kind of jump in and, and, and fulfill yourselves. Correct. So it's camps and birthday parties and festivals, you know, events for families, totally different. Yeah. Uh, types of offers that, that are specific to parents. Awesome. And so I want to dig more into your backstory of how you got there before that journey to Pittsburgh, where this whole business plan launched. But tell us where the business is today. So it's you started what year? How many users do you have? How many of those deals have you sold? What do your sales look like right now? Um, so we launched, well, started the business in basically on the other side of that trip. 
Um, you know, we 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 uh, started the company in January of 2010. We launched our first deal at the end of March of the end of May in 2010, and we were profitable after three months. We earned our first million dollars in sales um, within 18 months of that start date. We are now doing about $5 million per year in sales. We've got probably since inception $40 million in sales. And obviously, in, you know, last year was the first um, external investment that we entered into with Kevin O'Leary through the Shark Tank experience. But, you know, our reach is probably over a million, but every day we're sending to about 500,000 uh, subscribers. Every day. That's a huge every subscription day with our, base. With our, uh, yeah, with our offers. Very nice. I love it. So uh, for our listeners who don't know, if you haven't put it together yet, Jamie and Brian are a, his, are a husband and wife team, and Jamie is the CEO of the company. Jamie, what were you doing before Certificate? What is your backstory? How did you have the knowledge and experience to launch Certificate? So my um, educational experience is in security management and criminal justice. Huh. So, yeah. So that was the type I was, I actually have a master's degree in that. And I was working for a, lar a, a large law firm in charge of their security. Um, when I started Certificate, I on the side was running a blog for deals um, on all my favorite finds. It was called Little Miss Fun Finds. It was just a side project that I really loved, but I was committed to it and I grew a following with it. And, you know, certificate had no business background, but just a passion for all and thinking that all one day I really wanted to have a business. And I did, I was putting money away for that idea that one day I would have a business. But Brian had always said, you know, just wait till after you have kids, you know, when you're you know, after the kids have grown, then do it. Um, so that was sort of the plan. And I had about $3,000 that was saved that, you know, but I, I thought it would be years and years that I would be working and adding to that to start the business. But when you have an opportunity, you got to take it. That's really cool. So as, a, as uh, with your background, it sounds like, like you said, you did have business experience, but you did have this awesome idea and the opportunity was the right time. You had a few thousand dollars. So was that the initial money that you invested was, was $3,000 or was there a little bit more? You said you were thinking about more along the way. How did that all work out in the beginning? I think it was, I think it ended up being like, we had like $5,000 in this savings account. that was like a, you know, a savings account for Jamie. And that was ended up becoming the seed money for the business. Um, with the first investment, of course, was to build a website because we are a, a website based business. So it was, you know, hiring a web developer to put the website together in a very short period of time. So we could launch that first deal. And the rest was sweat equity, basically at the early phase. Um, we probably ended up spending between five and ten thousand dollars just on everything uh, in that first kind of. Uh, yeah. I would say, yeah, that first, well, the first six month period. But again, after three months, we were already in the black. So then we were just reinvesting uh, into the business um, as we grew it out. So anybody that's familiar with a business like this understands that one of the hardest things to do to get started is this concept of, of what we call network effects. You need not only all the buyers to, to go out and want to buy the deals that are being sold, but you need the sellers to kind of have offers to provide to those buyers. And if you only have one side or the other, you don't kind of gain that momentum. You have to have both sides. So what were you focused on early on in order to both get the buyers 
and to get the sellers? Like, what, what was the process like? Did you start with finding vendors or did you start with building your mailing list? Did you do the two simultaneously? What, what did that process look like? I gave myself a goal for the launch to have, you know, one deal a day for a month signed on and then have a thousand subscribers signed up to receive the deals. So that was what I gave myself. And I found it over the the decade to be much easier on the side of getting businesses signed up because from our standpoint, there's no upfront fee for them. So it's, you know, it's free advertising if they don't sell anything. So from that standpoint, that has always been easy. Getting subscribers signed up has been more challenging even though it's free to sign up. But I did it by literally standing out on the corner and finding every mom who walked by with a stroller and handing her a flyer that I'd made and telling her about it. So it was very grassroots and and it worked. That's some serious hustle right there. Just like, right? Talk about bootstrapping it. You're literally, like you said, you're on the corner finding the moms walking their kids and you're like, I've got exactly the thing that you need. You had no holds barred. And I think that's a great... Uh, it's something that our listeners really need to listen to because I know there's so many wannabe or aspiring, aspiring entrepreneurs out there who think, okay, with my marketing, I can do billboards, I can do pay-per-click or internet marketing, and I can I can kind of spend a lot of money and I can hit millions of people at one time and my business is just going to blow up in, in two weeks. But the reality is good entrepreneurs are pounding the pavement. They're standing out there and they're handing out flyers. They're talking to people individually. And it's not like like we read in books necessarily or see in movies where uh, you put an ad out and your business is making $10 million the next day. It takes work. And a lot of times that work involves actually talking to individual people. Your goal was to get to 1,000 people and you now have millions of, of subscribers, but you started literally by talking one-on-one to each of your potential customers. I think that's that's just great. I love that. And and we didn't, I mean, we have to remember, we were selling an idea in that early phase, right? We did, you know, we were trying to get people to sign up to get our deals once we offered them. So we had to get them to buy into the concept. And I think luckily, right, everyone kind of knew what Groupon was. And it was pretty easy to talk to a mom be like, yeah, I haven't been to the spa lately, you know, and and but but understand and think, wow, that would be so amazing if I could get a you know great value on this music class that I really wanted to attend or this birthday party or, uh, you know, this this amazing event that I really can't afford. Or, you know, I've got four kids. I, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars per ticket on that. It's just, you know, way over my budget. So I think to, to then to go through that process in that five month period, all kind of all those things for the question, kind of like what order it was really everything in parallel. So while Jamie's, you know, calling every business in the phone book, you know, and putting the flyers on, you know, every car in the park and, you know, joining every Facebook group that she can think of, you know, and then I'm basically doing all of the structural stuff to kind of put the business infrastructure in place. And Jamie's father who is our CFO to this day, you know, is helping us with the financial aspect of just getting things in place. And you're just trying to do all of that. And, and, and we were, we felt we were in a race because this whole space was exploding at the time. And we thought this niche was really not out there and we wanted to get a first mover advantage. And at the same time, we were local. We weren't trying to do more than we could handle. We were trying to just, all right, let's just try to get as much as we can out of uh, the DC market and, and see what, what we can do in the initial phase. Uh, and that was the, the thinking behind it. 
That's great. And I, I uh, have some more follow-up questions on that, but I also have to comment. You mentioned something in there that's so fascinating, right? You're talking about this whole first-to-market advantage and being competitive and positioning yourself in that manner. And I'm, I'm thinking back and I'm remembering, because our kids are now eight and nine, and I'm thinking back to when they were itty-bitty, there were so many. Like you said, they were starting to emerge. And that said, there aren't anymore. There's just you. There's just certificates. So the way you approached it clearly worked and was clearly impactful and effective because they all went away. So kudos to you for figuring out that secret sauce on something that was going to work and stick. Anyway, as I segue there back into, I wanted to follow up on what I was going to say, which was about the, that you were simultaneously grassroots doing, getting your first vendors, your first 1000 customers. Um, what was your very first deal and uh, how many of those did you sell? <laughs> and how did you get that very first deal? So I, it's funny. I always talk about it like the phone book. I really think I was using some kind of book. I don't think, you know, this was 2000. I think there was a phone book. Yeah. Well, there may have been a hard copy one back then. Yeah. I think there was a phone book actually. Yeah. But my first, things too, but. the first deal um, was the great zucchini, who is a children's magician. And I just called him up and, and he said, yes. And I think that really gave me confidence. And I just was so excited to get that first deal. Um, and it was a really good deal. And, you know, it was, it was half price and, um, he did weekday only. And I think we sold, I don't know, six, five or six of them. And it was one day, you know, you, you, the the email, the email goes out and, and you watch the sales and, and we were. Well, back then also, you know, it was like, like Amy said, the, the whole phenomenon. You know, you're kind of a sheep at the beginning. You're, you think this really has worked for Groupon and others and to do it in a certain way, which was at that time to drive people to your site for a limited time in which to buy the deal. So you have 24 hours, that, that deal comes on and cycles off. And then we've got to have something else to replace it with. Now everything's changed where, you know, so many of our deals right now, we have like, you know, three or 400 deals on our site and they're on for much longer period of time. But then it was all about, bringing that excitement and energy and urgency. Uh, and with uh, Eric, the great zucchini, right? So his deal was $375, still an expensive. That was the, no, that was the yeah. price of his It was half event. that price. So it's 50% off that. That's still a pretty expensive purchase. Uh, you know, right. So for someone to make, you know, like that morning, they get hours. an email. <laughs> right. And by the way, to be, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm laughing, you know, we, we as parents, you know, we don't, we don't make decisions in 24 <laughs> hours with that kind of money for a birthday party. No, we're, we procrastinate. We take weeks, you know, we talk to our kids, you know, so this is for, you know, so I think in the end, ha- having more time, you know, we, you can look back and you think to yourself, we kick ourselves. We would have made a lot more money if we probably had these deals on longer. But we wouldn't have made as many business relationships because you have to just recycle the deals. And it was like this, Jamie had this objective of needing to make sure that she was filling the calendar weeks ahead because you always were recycling the deals off. And, and, and so it was that aha moment when, you know, the great zucchini deal goes out for us and it sells five or six and you can kind of do the math. And we were getting, we get a cut of the business and he had never done a deal like that before. But the reason he did that deal was because he liked Jamie and he believed in kind of what she was doing and it was authentic and we were real people. And we were just like any family that would hire him to do a party. We weren't some big operation. He wasn't getting some sales call from a 19 year old, you know, in some New York back office. It was basically down the street in Bethesda. 
And and I think that was a bit of the secret sauce that we figured out pretty quickly. Cool. That's an awesome pro tip is to just go out there, do it, see what's working for others and modify it as necessary as you go along. But the biggest point is just go out there and just do it, right? I mean, you said it built up your confidence so much once you said yes and once you got those first five or six sales. So that's an awesome pro tip. Yes. So you now have your proof of concept. You, you've sold some deals. And at this point, you're still basically a family business. It's Jamie is the CEO. Brian, you're kind of managing the structure of the business. Your dad is doing the CFO role. Uh, But at some point to scale this, you had to start bringing in employees, I presume. So who was your first employee or first employees? What was their role? Um, and, And how did that scale from there? Yeah, so I, you're right. I mean, I kind of was doing the high level business strategic and I was doing the legal, the financial oversight structure, as you say. And I was at that time and, and pretty much for the first, I would say two or two years, I was, I was actually editing every deal before it would go live. So I had a day job and I still do and would come home and like, you know, so Jamie be chasing me all day to like do the final editing on those deals. So at a certain point we realized because Jamie was so successful in getting businesses to sign up with us and we were doing a deal a day and we were trying to add more and more deals all the time, we needed a deal writer and a kind of per, a creative deal writer that maybe could also help us with the marketing. So we hired someone that was, uh, was she a mom blogger, Laura? What was that? Is that how you would describe her? She was yeah. another mom blogger yeah. that Jamie knew and was, you know, she really liked us. She was buying our deals and Jamie had a relationship with her. At a certain point, Jamie's like, can you freelance and come also, you know, independent contractor and spend, you know, X number of hours a week helping us write deals. And she, and she's to this day, she's one of the most creative writers we've ever kind of confronted. So she would be writing the deals, helping us with some of the creative I would be editing. And she was, so she was the first hire. And then later in that year, the second hire for us of a salesperson, Leslie Silverman, who is still with us to this day and now is our vice president of sales and marketing and is really the strategic partner, the day-to-day partner that, that has been alongside Jamie since inception and is to this day the greatest salesperson that we've ever confronted. And she, she with Jamie together helped us take it to a whole other level. That's a good testimonial for your business when the second person you hire is still with you a decade later. So that's, that's, and we were just saying the other day that we were, you know, like so many people, we have a business, our team now is 20 people. And I would, you know, so many people on our business now have been with us for five years or more, which is really hard to believe uh, when we think about it. I know you started locally and you were focused on the DC, Baltimore market. So kind of uh, uh, Maryland area. Right. At some point you decided it's time to expand. We're going to move outside of DC and Baltimore. Maybe we're going to move to another state or other parts of the country. What did that look like? How did you decide it's now's the right time? And then how did you physically go about finding vendors, subscribers in other geographic areas? Early on, we had acquired two companies that were similar to us in different locations. So that really helped us jumpstart LA, Chicago, and Atlanta because, you know, we got the relationships with the businesses from that and then the subscriber base. So that that was a big key for us. But getting people on the ground in those locations. Yeah. And I think that as we talked about earlier, you know, the space was exploding. So you had competitors in a lot of the other major markets and these and in these companies were shaped completely different than us. They were venture backed 
companies. Um, they, you know, they were uh, in one case, there was a New York company that, that, had, that opened with a partnership with diapers.com, which was a huge competitive advantage. They had a huge subscriber base on which to draw. They tried to acquire us. They wanted us to be their DC uh, opportunity. And, you know, tip, we, you know, some of the best deals are the ones you don't do. We, we struggled really hard with that decision and it was a pretty early phase. We decided not to do that deal and to keep going on our own. Jamie didn't want to work for somebody else. We wanted to maintain control of the business. Um, and that, but that also gave us a lot of insights about how we wanted to approach growth differently than some of these other companies. And that's why, you know, these, these acquisitions that we made, there were strategic acquisitions in some core markets. Uh, and then we, and then we just ever since we've done a lot of different testing. We have had people on the ground in, in some of these cities. Some of those things worked. Some of those things didn't work. So it was a lot of trial and error. Um, we had some amazing national deals that that were uh, with national brands that helped us get a foothold in some cities. And then we would kind of grow on the back of that. Oh, like, oh, we, had, you know, we, were, we were shocked, for example, at an early phase that, let's say, Minnesota, Minnesota <laughs> you know, Minneapolis was a lot, you know, my goodness, you know, we, we did this party and it sold like 500 in Minneapolis and we're like, mm -hmm. whoa. So you just have to learn and and test things and be prepared to, to fail and be prepared to accept if something's not working and try something else. Very cool. So it sounds like the two of you have over the years really managed to work all these different markets, really play off of each other's strengths to explore and grow and stay up, stay abreast of the trends and just keep trying new things and doing what worked and say no at the right times. I'd love to know more about how you are working together as a husband and wife team to make those decisions and to continue growing the company. We have so many entrepreneurs who love the idea of working together with their spouse or a partner. I would love to know how that works for you and if you have any recommendations you can share for others who want to go down that journey. I see a I smile on Brian's <laughs> face right now. I'm so curious what that means. <laughs> I think that our, you know, our situation is unique because you know, Brian is still working full time at his other job. Um, so, you know, there is still space. So work all day. And then, you know, I do send him emails throughout the day, but a lot of times I don't get to talk to him about it till the evening and the weekend. So we spend a lot of our time, our discussions, our kids play sports or in the car a lot, you know, going to games, you know, so that's really our office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I love, I mean, I love working with him and, you know, it's, it's, it's just something fun. You know, we definitely argue at times over different topics and we have different, we work very differently and have different strengths and weaknesses, but it really works well together. Yeah. I think you hit on something that's really important. I think a lot of people think that when they go into business with their spouse, that it's 50, 50, that your co-CEOs, your co-making decisions. And I know Carol and I have done a bunch of businesses over the years together, and we've fallen into that trap. And it sounds like with you guys, what's actually worked really well is it's not co-CEOs. Jamie, this is your business. You're the CEO. And Brian is more, I don't want to call him the COO, but he he's kind of the, he's, he's there to support your business. He's more like an employee um, or a number two to you 
in your business. And, and I think that's really important that, that people realize when you go into business, even with a spouse, while a marriage might be 50-50, a business you generally need, you generally need somebody who is in charge and can ultimately make that decision. And you need to agree on who that person's going to be. So it sounds like that may have contributed somewhat to your success. Definitely. I think that, you know, I think we, Jamie said, I think we complement each other really well. And yeah, this is a, this is a woman led mom led business. And Jamie's the brains, the heart, the soul of this business. You know, my title's president and I've done more over the years because it's been required. Problem is that I'm basically a partner at a law firm that was founded one year before we started this business. And I feel very proprietary about that firm as well. And Jamie knows and understands that. And frankly, it's been a, a way for us to have a sense of security. And I think Jamie, number one, she's actually quite risk adverse and conservative. So I think she's needed me to push her along the way in this business because she doesn't like spending money. No offense, but she's cheap. Uh, <laughs> you know, we are a deal site. So uh, in in the course of this business, I think that the fact that she, that I think she always wanted the confidence that if for some reason we would fail tomorrow, that we would be okay. It's not all on her shoulders. And I think that really helped us at the early phases too, when, you know, she didn't really want to spend much money or risk. And we were, it was easier to kind of reinvest into the business. And she was always hesitant to take money out of the business and so and grow the business. And, and I think that that aspect of, of our situation helped us. So before we move on to the next part of our show, let's hear from one of our show sponsors. Real estate investing is known for a lot of things, mainly making a very select group of people a whole lot of money. But being an online cutting edge experience is usually not one of those hallmarks. Well, thanks to Fundrise, that's no longer the case. Fundrise is the future of real estate investing. Their revolutionary model is transforming the industry thanks to their software, which cuts out the costly middlemen and removes old market inefficiencies. Fundrise delivers the kind of investing power you typically only see at the big institutions and can now bring real estate's unique potential for long-term growth and cash flow to individual investors like us. Getting started is simple and usually takes less than five minutes. When you invest with Fundrise, you'll be instantly diversified across dozens of real estate projects, each one carefully vetted and actively managed by Fundrise's team of real estate professionals. Then you can use their intuitive investor dashboard and real-time reporting system to monitor the progress of each property in your portfolio. Now that's the future of real estate investing. So are you ready to get started? Then visit Fundrise.com slash business. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash BP business. And you'll get the first three months of fees waived. Again, that's fundrise.com slash BP business. As business owners, our goal is efficient sales on the front end and happy customers on the back end. And our sponsor, Aircall, helps you achieve both. Aircall is a 100% cloud-based phone system that has helped thousands of sales and support teams stop wasting time on the phone. Your customers don't want to call into a phone support line just to find themselves having to explain their issue over and over again to multiple support people. Aircall integrates with the most popular CRM, help desk, and e-commerce software solutions, helping your team understand and log vital customer information on every call. So your customers get their issues resolved more efficiently and your support people spend fewer minutes on the phone, which saves you money. 
And on the sales side, imagine how many more prospects your sales team could reach and imagine how many more leads you could convert when your phone system can instantly add prospect numbers to a calling queue, can sync call notes to your CRM, and can automatically dial through a list of numbers back to back. That's just some of the benefits AirCall provides. And here's the best part. You can get set up with a no-risk seven-day free trial of AirCall in less than three minutes. No credit card needed. Simply visit aircall.io slash BPB, like Bigger Pockets Business. That's aircall.io slash BPB to access your seven-day free trial of AirCall. Okay, so let's jump ahead to around 2018. And I know you guys had an amazing opportunity. You decided to go looking for investment outside for the first time. And you ended up at- That's giving us too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie can tell you the real, the the actual way that that happened. Okay, well, I want to hear the actual story then. But but, but I'm going to jump to the punchline. You guys got onto Shark Tank. Um, and this aired back in, what was it? Spring of, or fall of April. April of 2019. So just this year. And so tell us about your journey of getting to Shark Tank. And then I want to hear how that went. We had always joked about it. And I think even like the people on our team always joke, let's do Shark Tank. Let's do Shark Tank. But we, Brian was very apprehensive about ever doing it. She really wanted to do it. But my mom saw that they were coming to D.C. and, you know, you go down and wait in line. And um, and I knew this is an open call <laughs> at the Capital One Center. You know, it would have been like it was like 15,000 people, you know, and, and Jamie's mom calls her up and is like, there's an open call for Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie, you got to go down to the Capital One. And Jamie's calls me. She's like, we got to go to the Capital One Center. And I said, not on your life. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> So, she, as so usual, she found another way. So I went and found a producer, which I recommend is a good way in. You find a producer and email them and we, we bypass that stage of the going in. Because most of actually a lot of the entrepreneurs we did end up meeting on Shark Tank, they all did do the casting. So the next phase was a huge phase, though, because you had to make a video and you had to fill out like hundreds of pages of paperwork. So if you if we were going in, we had to go really in and do it. And we did it. I mean, it was time consuming and a lot of work. But basically, it was our 2018 summer. Wow. You know, our kids went to camp and basically we were dealing with this application process and it it, it did almost kill me. And Jamie would be more of the mind of let's just get it in and, you know, and, and not over, you know, but when I do something, I'm all in with it usually. So I don't like to do something in kind of a half kind of way. I would rather, you know, if we're going to do this, if we're going to commit to it, if we're going to try to do this, then we're going to try to get this and we're going to win, you know? <laughs> and that, so that was kind of our mindset. Jamie's like, oh, who cares if we don't get it? And I'm like, I'm not wasting all this time <laughs> no. to get it. Are we're, we doing it or not? So were you wanting to do it as just a fun thing to do at this point to celebrate the success you had so far? Or did you see it as a strategic marketing opportunity? Or did you want the money? Oh, yeah. Or that third possibility. <laughs> it's, it's I forgot funny. about that. It's <laughs> funny. Nobody, nobody assumes that anybody goes on Shark Tank for actually getting money anymore. But. I know. That's true. I, I, I'll see if she agrees with this. I think Jamie always wanted to do it because she thought the exposure would be so amazing for our business. We still are uh, centralized very much in the greater Washington area and a couple other core markets. And the space has gotten much better for us over the years, as you noted at the beginning, where so many of our competitors are now out of the market. So we really 
feel like this is exactly the right time for us to try to finally scale the business in a very significant way and have a national profile that is deeper and stronger all across the country. So it, it's, you know, and, and grow our subscriber base. We think we can be so much more than we are. And that if we didn't try to do something like this really bold now, we never would and we would regret it. So it was, it was the opportunity to say, all right, if we can go and take advantage of this and, and somehow get picked because we're told that it's easier to get into Harvard than it is to get on Shark Tank because there's 30,000 applications and they only put a hundred on, they only tape a hundred and then like 50 get aired. So, uh, we thought that this would be, could be a once in a, a lifetime opportunity for the business. And that if we have a chance to do it, we should go for it and do it. Well, and we did. Awesome. And I think I, I, I need, I personally needed it. I was at the point where I just needed some kind of spark or something I'd been in the grind for a long time and um, things were, things go, were going great, but I just needed something exciting to focus on. Awesome. So you went on Shark Tank. How much money did you, did you ask for? What percentage of your company were you willing to give up? And did you end up doing a deal? I think we may have done a spoiler on that earlier, but who did you end up doing a deal with and, and what did that deal look like? So uh, and to, to answer the last question you asked first, so we, we did not do this for the money. We didn't need the money. We were doing it for a strategic partnership and to help us grow the business and scale nationally. We asked for $600,000 for 8% of the business. It would, it was our, this is our first external investment. I did so much work with the accountants and the lawyers and the analysis, and I almost killed my father-in-law trying to figure out how to you know our, our valuation for purposes of that offer. Of course, you go in there and none of it matters. They 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 hear some things and then they want, you know, they kind of decide what they want to what they want to offer you and you know it's the Shark Tank premium and everything else. And so we uh, so the question was so that was what we that was what we went in. That was our ask. And that's pretty big. That's that's a seven and a half million dollar valuation, which on Shark Tank Typically, you're looking in the five hundred thousand to a million dollar valuation. So you were you were asking for a pretty big valuation. There, a pretty big valuation, and there are not a lot of more. So lately, I think they've been scaling it up a little. But no, six hundred thousand dollars was a very you know it's 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 definitely on the high end in terms of basically investment asks on that show. Yep. Um, so that was you know clearly you have to. But we are unlike a lot of other businesses that have been on that show. We, you know, we had been in business for nine years. We had, you know, tens of millions of dollars in sales. We were highly profitable. So those are, you know, that's not usually the, those aren't usually the ingredients for a business that goes on Shark Tank. You know, so in that sense, that was a difference that we had a differentiator and we had to obviously get that across to the sharks and explain why we wanted that partnership at this phase of the business. Cool. And so you did a deal. And who was that deal with? Uh, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. Ah, so anybody that walk, watches Shark Tank knows that uh, Mr. Wonderful is, at least on the show, seems pretty difficult to work with. Was there a reason why you decided to go with him? And I'll give another spoiler alert. We'll try and get some clips up in the show notes on, on the episode. Um, but you guys actually got multiple offers. And you decided to go with Kevin O'Leary, which I know uh, a lot of people would probably say, why go with Kevin O'Leary if you have a choice? <laughs> what was your thought yeah. process there? So, yeah, we were really fortunate to get uh, we got an offer from Damon and we got an offer from Barbara Corcoran and then we got an offer from Kevin. And I think, look, we had done a lot of research and analysis on the Sharks. We were open to a deal from any of them. But Mark Cuban and Kevin in particular 
because of the nature of our business. And Kevin has done a lot of other deals with mom-led businesses and some other businesses like ours. I think he really actually understands our business model quite well. And so we thought just a lot of synergies with him. Um, and he loves, a, he loves a profitable business. Yep. So we thought that those ingredients were, again, would, would be attractive to him. So we were excited to get the offer with him. The dynamic of being in there and, and everything going down, it's super difficult to, to figure out what to do and, and under those lights. You know, they're like, if you, you know, if you really want to talk to each other about it, you just go in the back room. And so, of course, we asked to do that. They're like, oh, no, you don't need to do that. Just talk now between us. Of course, it's like the most, you know, the most, you know, the least private moment you could have on the planet. Right. And we're like, well, what should you do? So you're trying to figure that out in real time and make the best decision that you could. And we obviously had done a lot of planning and I had done a lot of, of planning and thinking. Um, so zeroing back in on him and as you noted, he's a very tough nut to crack, but his reputation on the show is not, does not translate into real life as we now have experienced. So, and that was some of the intelligence that we had going in as well. Um, so which we can talk about, but, but yes, I think that we were focused first and foremost on his kind of profile and the types of businesses he has invested in and, and how we thought that we could be a fit for that. Okay. I, I have one more question about Shark Tank before we kind of move past Shark Tank. But anybody that watches the clip or watches the episode, and, and again, I'll try and get that in the show notes, will note that you took a very hard tact against Mr. Wonderful. You you basically, most, most people don't want to go toe-to-toe with him when it comes to negotiating, but you basically gave him your take it or leave it, and you just kept going back and pushing for more and pushing for more. And watching the episode, I kept waiting for the, the sharks to just say, nope, we're, we're done with you, get out. Uh, but you kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and you ultimately got what you wanted. It was probably the best And again, a lot of it, I'm sure, was TV, but it was the best and hardest negotiation I think I've seen for any Shark Tank deal. So what led you to uh, to decide that you're going to go in with that that hard nosed approach and and really try and put the screws to them? (laughs) Jamie would probably tell you that she was worried they were going to kick me out, too. Uh, A couple of things. One, you know, I I think I do have the benefit of I mean, I kind of I'm a lawyer in a lot of what I do in my other world is negotiate. So I think that I, I, I have experience doing that. Also, I think that in, in that environment, um, I, you, you, Jamie, I think made me watch every other episode ever on Shark Tank to kind of see how these things go. And it always kind of drives me nuts that it doesn't seem to me like you fight enough, you fight hard enough. And, you know, they always say to, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to walk out of here for two or three percent. Um, and I always think to myself, I'm like, well, are you going to let me walk out of here for one or 2%? If you really, you know, are you really interested in our business or not? So a couple of those kind of ideas I had. Also, I had a sense that he respects the sparring. Because remember, this is a television show after all. And uh, so I, my sense was that he he respected people that, that would negotiate hard. And I started to go down that track. And also because I thought he had propose some contingency, some weird term like he always does as part of the of, of his offer to us, which was just a weird thing. And so much of my time was just spent getting him to get rid of that ridiculous thing. And 
So in that process, I think I just got a sense from him that he was enjoying it and he was inviting it and he wasn't rejecting it. And it, and then I remember at some point he turned to Barbara and he says, I'm really starting to like this guy, <laughs> you know? And I think then I knew, okay, I can push a little bit further. Now you, you look at it and you think, you know, we did the deal for $600,000 for 19% and it looked like I was getting blood out of a stone at the end. You know, you're, I've never fought so hard for so little, but it showed, I think, that we believed in our business and what we were doing and that, you know, I think he even said at some point, this is, well, he tweeted afterwards, like, you you want someone that I was showing him what we would be like in a boardroom trying to negotiate a deal for the benefit of our business. And that, I think, he embraced and and uh, it's been a very good relationship since. But yeah, luckily he didn't throw us out and he... Let me keep going. No, you are so right. He bought into it and he was loving that toe-to-toe fight. He's like, come on, <laughs> give me more, give me more. I triple dog dare you. And you gave it right back. Yeah. It was I don't, so I don't know what I really got out of it. I'm, I'm glad you think I got something out of it. <laughs> so Jamie, how would you say that overall that experience has impacted your business? I think it's been it's been great on multitude of levels from getting new businesses to getting subscribers to PR opportunities. We got to be on The View the next week, which was really huge for our business. Partnerships. It's just been, yeah, overall, lots of opportunities. So it was well, well, well worth your efforts, right? That's so cool. And so what's next for Certificate? What's coming up? So uh, we actually, this month, are moving towards making our site national. So no matter where somebody lives, when they go on now, it will pull the deals that are closest to them. So no longer will we have markets. So we think this is going to be a game changer for the business. Yeah. We're excited. Awesome. Exciting 2020. That's so cool. Okay. So in a minute, I want to jump to the last segment of the show, the four more segment. But before I do that, I would love to hear what tips do you guys have for any aspiring entrepreneurs out there, business owners out there that are looking to start their own business? What have you learned along the way that you wish you would have known earlier on that you can pass on? I would say to get yourself organized. I I feel like I wasn't, I never expected the business to last, to, to go on as long as it was. And I wasn't organized at all. And I look back and I think, God, if I had just really had myself together back then and, and, and was more organized, you know, we'd be in a different place today. So looking back that, and the other thing I would say, just working with business owners is no matter what your business is, make sure you present well to the world through a website, through social, through everything you're presenting, just, you know, people who don't know you are making judgments very quickly. And if your website, if you don't even have a website, I mean, no no matter what your business is, have something, have just a page. I don't care. But, you know, we, we certificate won't even work with a business at this point unless they have a website. So, so that would be my advice. Awesome. Brian, anything to add to that? Sure. Two things. One, I think that you know, while I said Jamie is the heart, soul, and everything else of the business, we've built an amazing team around her. It's kind of enabled me to do what I do. Um, so it's a, and that's been a, an ongoing process, work in progress, but we've got you know, really a great and loyal team. And you know, basically your, your business is your team. It's your people. So that's got to be the number one priority for, for any business that, you know, you think is going to be sustainable. Um, and also I think that kind of going to my earlier point about, um, being an entrepreneur and starting a business, you you have to realize you actually can't have it all. 
you you need to make sacrifices, what's important to you, what's not important to you. It was very important to us that we maintain control of the business and its direction and, and that it fit our lifestyle. And that, But at the same time, it was an enormous amount of work. Nothing, nothing replaces hard work, right? So it's Jamie pounding the pavement and working every day and being up at 12 o'clock at night every night and, and all those, you know, date nights that turned into working sessions and car rides and everything else that makes it work. So you, you can't replace the hard work. Love that. Great. Fantastic. Okay. Now I want to jump into the final segment of the show that we call the four more, where we're going to ask you four questions that we ask all of our guests. And after that, we're going to jump into the more question, which is tell us more about where our listeners can find and connect with you. So are you ready? Sure. Okay. I'm going to go with the first question. Uh, and either or both of you can respond, whichever you like. What was your first or your worst job? And what lessons did you learn that have helped you in your own business now? My first job was I was a soccer referee. <laughs> and I, I mean, I made really good money. It, it definitely got me excited for working. I would say what I learned from it was that it, it, it made me build a thick skin because it was tough. You got all these parents yelling at you and you have to make decisions quickly. So it was a great life lesson. Awesome. I think I would say my worst job was when I was a waiter at a Thai restaurant with the menu that had a hundred items on it. Uh, <laughs> and I was the only non Thai waiter, uh, which was a real competitive disadvantage. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, so, you know, so this was in a, this was not in a, in a Thai dominated area. So, you know, all of the customers would come in. They all really liked me. And anyway, so I, I probably did pretty well on the tips, but not a great experience. <laughs> that is an awesome story. I love both of those jobs. That's great. Okay. I would like to know, um, what is the defining moment when you realize that you had the entrepreneurial itch? I remember as a kid, it was a snow day and I filled up a box of stuff we had in the basement and I went door to door selling products <laughs> that I had. And I think that was probably it. <laughs> awesome. Brian, are you an entrepreneur? I probably am an entrepreneur. Uh, my father was in business and I think that he was, he was in the car business. And I always felt that he gave people in the car business a good name because he was very um, loyal um, and honest. And, you know, so I, I think I did, I did learn a lot about, and then you know, I've actually, we owned a car dealership. He sold the car dealership. So I never had the, you know, I probably would have gone into the car business if he, if that hadn't happened. So, um, I needed Jamie to, to get me back into the business world. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. Uh, question number three, if either or both of you could go back in time, what's the one big thing you would have done differently, uh, in your business with certificate? The name. <laughs> <laughs> really? really? I think the name's oh, awesome. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so many people don't pronounce it correctly. We get emails in that say, I bought a certified kid. <laughs> <laughs> they spell it wrong. Um Yeah. My my advice would be pick an pick a business name with four letters. Simple, <laughs> easy, done. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, this is. What I would probably, I would probably say something slightly <laughs> different. Um, I, 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 the point I made earlier. I think that we, we were 
because the space right was was shaped by some of these really leading players, we were a bit of a sheep at the beginning, right? Uh, following the herd on some of these things. I think if we had, and Jamie had a couple instincts. I think if we had trusted those instincts earlier, for example, kept our deals on longer earlier, I think we 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 would have been ahead of the curve on that and made more money. Excellent. Those are great insights. Thank you. Okay. The fourth question, what is something in either your personal or professional life that you have splurged on? I know, Jamie, this is going to be hard for you, but what are you splurged <laughs> on? Uh, that was totally worth it in retrospect. Oh, totally worth it. Yeah, um, totally worth it. Or not totally worth it. Any splurge is fun. We love hearing about splurges from entrepreneurs. I mean, this is totally simple, but to me, this was a big deal that in the early, as once the business was going well, I treated myself to Starbucks every single day, Whoa, which is like... That's huge. <laughs> that- I mean, I don't do it anymore, but in those early days, and especially having like little kids and you know, it was just such an indulgence for me. And, and I looked forward to it every day. That's really cool. Cool. Brian, I, I, by the way, she's making it seem like that that was easy for her. I like forced her (laughs) to get that Starbucks. It was a big deal. Um, I think I would say that when we, uh, since the business, I think we were, when we've traveled, uh, internationally or on long flights, I have convinced, I, I, I'm convincing, but um, I will force Jamie to fly business class. Cool. You, but almost always using miles. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of miles. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, now I want to jump into the final, the more part of the four more. Where can our audience, where can our listeners either connect with you guys, learn more about Certificate, and can you spell Certificate for us so that we can make absolutely certain that everybody finds the website. It's certificate.com, C-E-R-T-I-F-I-K-I-D.com, certificate. I'm just glad she spelled it right. I was actually questioning <laughs> And then also my website is jamieratner.com, J-A-M-I-E-R-A-T-N-E-R.com. And you can, obviously, we've got more than 300 deals on our site at any one time covering all the various categories. As Jamie said, please check our new format out now that you can uh, see immediately where you're, when you come onto our site, deals that are available in your area. So we think all of the most amazing things that families could want or need, you will find it on Certificate. Awesome. And Carol and I have been users of Certificate for five or six years now for a long time. More and than we, that. I'm the one who buys this stuff, honey. Trust me. That's way true. longer okay. than that. Like you have any idea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, for a long time and absolutely love it. Guys, thank you so much for being thank here. This, you. this was so awesome. And congratulations on all your success. And we look forward to having you back in a year or two to hear about the, all the great things that are, that are coming down the pipe in your business. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Uh-huh. Appreciate awesome. it. Thank Thanks. you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So what I love most about that episode was literally Jamie started with zero business experience She started by getting out there and talking to potential customers, handing out flyers on the street. She didn't do any of the the advertising or the internet marketing, all the stuff that, that we think of a lot of entrepreneurs doing today. I mean, really grassroots. And here we are 10 years later, and they have a company that's done $40 million in sales. 
raised $600,000 on Shark Tank. And again, if you want to see that negotiating that that Brian did with uh, with Mr. Wonderful, go check out our show notes. We have a link uh, to the clip where they're doing that that really hard-nosed, head-to-head negotiation. I love them. That was just a, a great, great interview. It was. They had such a great energy together. And Jamie is such a hard worker and such a visionary. And I also love how she told that story about hiring people early on, right? Because when we're entrepreneurs, we're starting a business, you're convincing people to take a leap of faith. But she was able to convey her passion to the point where one of her very first hires ended up being their VP an entire decade later. And they still credit her with being one of the greatest salespeople ever. So what was her name? Leslie? Leslie, uh, I think Silverman. Leslie Silverman was who they they were talking about. So it's just, it's great that they all are working together and have grown this company into something so amazing. It was really fun listening to their story. Yep. Everybody needs a Leslie Silverman in their business. That's right. Cool. All righty. Are we good for this week? Let's wrap it up, baby. All righty. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. She's Carol. I'm Jay. Now go put in some good old-fashioned hard work today. Have an awesome day, everybody. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.